for the 150th time, which seems very hard to believe, but stranger things have happened. Welcome, listeners, to Podcast ONA. Hello, everyone. We have been at this for far too goddamn long. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? Good evening. Hello. And yes, we can hear you over uh, the space the, the space type continuum. Hope you're doing well. Uh, you in particular, yes. yeah. especially you, Josh. <laughs> Rusty out there. Um, uh, feed your pets. They're probably hungry. Yeah, okay, here. That's what. That's the name I knew. Um, let me try another name. Beth. <laughs> Eventually, like, I, I can't choose John, because everybody's going to be named John. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Samuel, you're on my shit list. You in particular. <laughs> trying to freak uh, out very specific named people. So if somebody's listening to this high, they'll get really funny freaked out. <laughs> How fun. But, uh yeah, 150 episodes. It's another milestone show. And what does that mean for us? Well, we got nothing. Shockingly, the news leak is pretty light. It's been very slow for the last couple of weeks. And specifically in our main story section, we got nothing. It's like a tsunami schedule. There's nothing. Oh, no. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't cover political television either. He's uh, right, but he shouldn't say it. Uh, how much permission do they need for some of these shows? Come on. It really feels like there's just a lot of fun uh, red tape going on. And frankly, it just the vibe I'm getting from everything regarding the Warner Bros. Discovery situation is... Everything's on fire, and everybody's kind of freaking the fuck out. Even still. Seems uh, like it. Gotta love corporate yeah, mergers, uh, entertainment industries doing well, clearly. That's why everybody's losing their jobs. Uh, something, yeah. something, writer's strike. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit on the horizon, if you couldn't tell, and, uh... Yeah, so, to make up for our lack of uh, anything substantially major, um... We're gonna go back down the well of talking about dubcast for the spring season shows, and... uh, Time permitting, we will tack on a movie night uh, mini-sode at the end of this show about the newest film from Makoto Shinkai, Suzume. Yeah! We all saw this, and we have things to say about it. Yeah. Normally, I like to separate the two main episodes and movie episodes, but uh, dire straits have, and strange circumstances have brought us to... Basically, for the sake of time... I lost my train of thought. God damn. Basically, for the sake of actually having a full-length episode, given the relatively light news week... We are fattening it up for you a little bit at the beginning and a little at the end. Yes. To give you a more balanced diet of <laughs> my voice and all of their voices. Okay, I mean, I'm sure we can find 
some extra things to talk about. I mean, like, yeah. hey, uh, Totally Spies is coming back to Cartoon Network in 2024. Uh, let's see what they run down to well in, well in terms of finishes <laughs> this time. Here's, here's the question. Are there any more fetishes left to uncover? There's always something new to be discovered. Probably not a question you want to ask, Andrew. I mean, yes, but it's like, how many more fetishes are left? And when do we get to the point where mentioning the bug bite fetish is a JoJo reference? Um, yes, and yes. Which, that's a JoJo reference... God, that fucking Marty McFly thing. You uh, might not get it now, but your children are gonna love it when we talk about the bug bite thing in uh, JoJo Part so 7. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, basically, if we didn't do these two big things, this show would be, like, 20 minutes long, which would be great for us, but, uh, you know, we, we have uh, quotas to meet, so, um, yeah, we're gonna give you the little bit in the middle and two big things on the end, but just offhand, because some things have happened. Uh, apparently, everyone likes this Oshinoko show because it has been the biggest premiering series in the history of High Dive. Honestly? Good for them. Like, actually good for them. That's, yeah. that's a pretty wild get. Like, I got the impression that it was... I had a feeling it was going to do well, I didn't think it was going to do that well, and it definitely seemed like a bit of a perfect storm in regards to manga manga being hot and the anime staff kind of going above and beyond. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a... Contra- I get the feeling it was a controversial choice to effectively make episode one a movie, but I still vaguely think about the phrase that Nicholas Dupree described it, which was a 90-minute magic trick. Uh, Which is an excellent way of describing the entirety of that. (laughs) We're not telling you shit. Go watch it. We're not telling you shit, but if you know, you know. Yeah, you know, you know, and it was a very prudent decision, especially since we wanted to get some of the more uh, questionable parts of that premise out of the way pretty fast, so uh, good call. (laughs) It was a bold choice. It's a choice that I could see people disliking for obvious reasons, but you know what? Sometimes I gotta admire and respect bold choices over safe choices. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. go with that. Yeah, so uh, good on you, High Dive. You got yourself a killer app. Now, uh, hopefully, uh, your uh, corporate bigwig uh, headmasters at AMC Networks can uh, give you a little bit more cash for that. Ah, I'm sure everybody right now is doing very well yeah. in the entertainment industry. Uh, <laughs> just keep James Dolan far away. Let him play with his Knicks and Rangers while they're in the playoffs and just keep him far away from high dive business. I The fucked up part about everything going along in our sphere of the entertainment industry is the companies are probably going to want to invest more in anime because it's cheap and it, they could do that while all the writers' strike and cutting of jobs is going on. You know what would be a great way to do that? Putting some of these shows on television. Or, and I'm speaking as the representative from Warner Brothers Discovery, to you, the 
cast and viewers of Podcast ONA. <clears throat> Suck our fucking dicks. No. And I will also not go see um whatever this not Batman movie is that you're not promoting as a Batman movie because just it, it, this this universe is gonna die either way, people. Just let it die and let James Gunn do his own thing. Uh, so, uh, I mean, if there's one thing I reg- if there's one non James Gunn thing I regret, it's that like now now knowing that we could have had a Batman Beyond movie, I almost wish they didn't. I almost wish I didn't leak. So I'm just sitting here wondering what could have been. It's the only Batman thing I want. Why would they give it to me? Look, I'll show up for Super Sentai Blue Beetle, and that's that, okay? Ugh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The shot with the Buster Sword, they knew exactly what they were doing. Yes, they did. And uh, before we move on to our actual main slate, uh, we're here to tell you that you can now watch all of the Digimon Adventure 2020 English dub. But it's going to cost you about $140 to watch everything on the Microsoft Store. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the one uh, bone I will maybe throw to here is that they did put out a, like, they did put out a stay tuned for updates message, which means it's probably going to be streaming somewhere. Eventually maybe by somewhere. Hulu? Yeah, maybe. and by- and by somewhere, I mean probably Hoopla, uh, hopefully Hulu. But uh, I, I feel like Hoopla. it's going. The fact that they made a public tweet means I think there is a bigger service attached than just the library card streaming service. But like, I I can't say I even know which one it's going to be. You would assume Crunchyroll, but honestly, it's not even guaranteed to be Crunchyroll. I mean, it could still be Hoopla, and it's just that uh, big, like, okay, we're good. just, I guess, vaguely confirming it's going to be on a streaming service, because uh, uh, they kind of uh, announced that too early would die, and then there was, like, a gap between it being on Microsoft and it being on Hoopla, so, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe they're just trying to prevent that happening again. The, uh, Toei An- Animation is one of those companies where it's like, every time you think you know what their game plan is, you don't. Uh, anyway, uh, because I'm me, I did sample exactly one episode of that dub. It, it sounds fine. I'm uh, kind of wild. They actually did like dub the Japanese opening and ending songs and all that. I think it's probably the most uh, faithful Digimon dub we've ever gotten, which is uh, certainly ironic. <sighs> yeah, and, uh, so, um... What? I, I also mentioned that on Twitter, but one thing that's kind of, like, really interesting that I've got a surprise they did, uh, they actually used the Japanese character names. Specifically, they specifically the characters introduced themselves with, like, their actual Japanese names, and then, like, oh, by the way, my name is, like, whatever the dub name is. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> that, and I'm like, you know what? That's a really good localization choice. But yeah. Suck on that, Haim Saban and Shuki Levy. Also, that cast does, in fact, look really good. Yeah. Uh, Shipping about the actual show, but uh, it's a good cast. Uh, Look, as long as it just gets to stream elsewhere, at some point, we'll be a different conversation. Uh, Look, look, I'm saying all this, but I'm legally obligated to talk about it whenever it does stream somewhere. (laughs) I just have to get my sour grapes out now. 
Solid cast, though. Like, legit. That, that looks like a really bad mm-hmm. cast. Yep. Anyways. Yeah. There is all of that. That is the extent of our main stories that I could have pulled up from everywhere. Again, it's been kind of slow. So, I will pass the mic to Andrew to go over the spring season dubcast for the next uh, 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how long he goes. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. But yes, thank you, Alex. So, I have compiled here a list of all of the English dub premieres. I need to speculate this is the English dub premieres because there are a lot of multiple language dubs that Crunchyroll is producing at one time in various other languages. I need to say this right now because despite the fact that there are shows I think I really would have liked to see get an English dub, like Yuri is my job and Skip and Loafer. Those are getting dubs in Latin American, Spanish, and Brazilian Portuguese, but not in English right now. Uh, stuff like Cafe Terrace and Goddesses is getting dubbed in German, Spanish, and Hindi, but not English. And My One Hit Kill Sister is getting dubbed in German, Spanish, Portuguese, and Hindi, not English. So there's a couple of dubs that are th- of things that are not getting the English dub treatment right now, which hoping for some of those to happen down the road, but figured I would say that for discrepancy. What I'm going over is all the English dub casts that have been confirmed. There are only two that have yet to be confirmed at the time of this recording. That is Ranking of Kings, Treasure Chest of Courage, which we'll probably get maybe tomorrow, right after we finish recording this. And Sacrificial Princess and King of Beasts, which comes out probably next week. That was a very late premiere. So, I'm not going to spend too much time on this first one, because we briefly went over it last week, or last recording. Tony Kawa, Over the Moon for You, Season 2, is a same-day simuldub in several languages, including the fact that the English same-day simuldub is being recorded at Bang Zoom and is retaining the entire cast and crew of Season 1, which we mentioned, hmm, wild this finally happened now after the whole Mob Psycho, whole Mob Psycho 100 situation, but hey, glad they took their lumps and at least learned that fucking lesson. Uh, That one's being directed by Dora Fine, who previously directed the first couple episodes of don't, don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro Season 2, and Lupin Part 6. Following that up is another show with a same-day simuldub. Why Rayliana ended up at the Duke's mansion. I have a question. Were we going to have a brief little talk about what these shows are, or our thoughts on them, or am I just going through the, the these casts? And Just go through the casts. Figured I'd ask, double-checking. Uh, this one's a new... Uh, shoujo isekai thingy or shoujo and the dub stars Lindsay Seidel playing Rinko aka Rayliana you'll know Lindsay for roles such as Fiona aka Nightfall in Spy Family and Akane Shinjo in SSSS Gridman really hoping we get a Gridman universe dub soon so I can actually know what's going on and not get spoiled by fucking Papa Parade and Good Smile Company, you motherfuckers! <coughs> Sorry, uh, a little 
a little pent-up annoyance there. Uh, Noah is being played by Ian Sinclair, who you'll know as Einar in Vinland Saga Season 2, and Saichi Sugimoto in Golden Convoy. I didn't know if it was Saichi or Saichi or whatever. Blech. So those are the two main leads. The dub features the likes of Samuel Largent, Corey Phillips, Richard L. Olson, the Z Tarsha, Aaron Michael, Brianna Roberts, Laura Woodhall, Alex Mai, yada yada yada. The dub is being directed by Caitlin Glass and Danny Chambers. Caitlin Glass has directed dubs such as Astra Lost in Space and Tomachan is a Girl. And Danny Chambers has assisted on a couple other dubs including Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, uh, what was that manga that you really liked, Jet, but the anime was ass? Uh, you're going to have to be specific because you could actually be talking about any number of things. Biscuit Hammer? Biscuit oh, Hammer, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there you. That one. I'm kind of spitballing things I remember that they have done off the top of my head because I did not write them down, so doing my best there. All right, so that is who is directing that dub in particular. So, this that one is a same-day simul dub, and that one's pretty far along. This next one is a show called The Aristocrats' Otherworldly Adventure, Serving Gods Who Go Too Far. It's an isekai. And they all look like weird little bobblehead babies. Okay. Uh, playing the role of Kane is Trina Nishimura, who's played characters like Mitsuha in Saving ADK in Another World and Natsume in Decadence. Ryan is played by Kristen McGuire, who's played Malim in That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, and Alice in The Duke of Death and His Maid. And Sylvia is being played by Natalie Rose, who's played Aku in Demon Lord or Try. And Reina Izumi in Myriad Colors Phantom World. That is a dub I have still yet to see, but I am morbidly curious to try it out one of these days. Uh, this dub is featuring the likes of Jim Fronda, Anastasia Munoz, Phil Parson, Molly Zhang, Matthew David Rudd, Elizabeth Evans, Mac McGee, Corey Pat- Okay, you get the fucking picture, all right? It's an isekai. I don't care that much. I, I don't think any of you do either. Uh, it's being directed by Jade Saxton who has worked on the dubs of shows like Laidback Camp and Natsume's Book of Friends. And she is being assisted by Aaron Campbell, who was recently helping out on the dub of last season's Revenger. And weirdly enough, Kent Williams, who doesn't have a lot of directing credits, but his directing credits are like early Dragon Ball Z dub directing credits. And, like, maybe one or two other shows. So kind of wild to see a old-timer get to help direct on a dub. And it's for another fucking isekai, really? Okay, so I'm convinced that every time we do these seasonals and every time they divvy out dubs for a season, I think there are certain directors who are at certain statuses of the totem pole that need to pay their isekai tax per season. Like, if a director gets a cool project one season, they need to divvy it up and pay a little isekai tax the next. And vice versa, if they paid that tax last season, they gotta get something interesting the next season. 
And then I think there are certain directors who just have a seniority to be like, I, I don't want to work on this garbage. I want to work on something that actually interests me, okay? Okay. That's probably not how that works, but that's how I imagine that works. Anyways, uh, Jade Saxton, I believe, is still doing this and Natsume's Book of Friends, which she really likes, so I imagine that sort of evens itself out. Moving on to My Clueless First Friend, which is another very cute-looking, charming show. Uh, this one is starring... Playing the role of Nishimura is Molly Zhang, who has played characters like Hachimitsu in Shigemori's Not Just a Cutie and Saito in Laidback Camp, and Tagada is being played by Madeline Morris, who you'll know as Rudius in Mushoku Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation, and Kabane in Kimono Jihen. Uh, this dub features Belshbar Rusbe Jr., Kyle Ignasi, Lindsay Shepard, Dandy Chambers, Morgan Lee, Alex Mai, Michelle Rojas, Naya Moreno, Rachel Thompson, and Alex Hom. This is being directed by Helena Wallstrom, who is notable because this is her very first directing credit. She has been an engineer at Funimation, a.k.a. Crunchyroll, for several years now, and this is her first lead project. Uh, fucking good for her. Good for her. This seems like a cute show to learn. Uh, she's being assisted by Kevin Thuwell, who has been assisting on dubs like Blue Lock and Bofuri in the previous season. Now, probably one of the more interesting shows, uh, and this one's got a lot of main characters to discuss, Hell's Paradise. This one's got a lot of main characters to go through. Uh, I'm going to start from the bottom here and then work my way to the main two. Uh, playing the, the role of Senta is Jordan Dash Cruz, who has played characters like Leon in Trapped in a Dating Sim, and both Sean and John in Shadow's House. Nuragai is played by Cassie Uulu, aka Sapphire on YouTube. She has played characters like Akira in Kimono Jihen, and Cecilia Dote in Gundam the Witch from Mercury. I've yet to see Gundam the Witch from Mercury, but I'm being told that she is the hot one who is always sitting. Uh, that would be accurate. Okay, cool. I, I was trying to make sure I was right there or not, but every time I've seen that character, I was like, damn, she's hot. Anyways, Tenza is being played by Ben Balmaceda, who's played characters like Neku in The World Ends With You, the animation, and my baby boy Raido in Aharinsan, Oaxaca Renine. Shion is being played by Reagan Murdoch, who's played characters like Aki in Chainsaw Man and Supreme Leader Bossler in Love After World Domination. Yuzuriha is being played by Jill Harris, who is Soleta Mercury in Gundam The Witch from Mercury, and Nino Nakano in The Quintessential Quintuplets. Toma is being played by Matt Shipman, who has played characters like Rin in Blue Lock and Chrome in Dr. Stone. Chobe is Nazitarsha, who has played Soji in Revenger, and Sugihara in The Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting. Playing the role of the titular wife of the main character Gabimaru, Yui is Skylar McIntosh, who has played Izetta in Izetta the Last Witch and Stella in The Ancient Magus Bride. And I'm going to do these two together. Gabimaru and Sagari. Uh, Gabimaru is being played by Alejandro Saab and Sagari is being played by Mr. Duran. Alejandro Saab you'll know as Mirai in Platinum End. 
Marissa, you'll know as Hana in Awashi. And I gotta say, it's really funny that this is a show with the re- with the c- main character reunion of Hori and Miyamura. Yeah, that is pretty wild. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this. They're not even an item in this. He is specifically married. But, yeah. So, Alejandro and Marissa are back together as leads in a very different show, and I find that very, very funny. And hopefully we'll get to see them back for Horror Me a Peace next season. We shall see. That's exciting. This next one's kind of interesting for unique reasons. So, In Another World with My Smartphone Season 2. This has almost all of its returning cast. Uh, Leah Clark, Michelle Rojas, Sarah Wiedenhef, Monica Rial, Jill Harris, and even Marissa Lenti are back as their characters from the first season. But Toya and Yumina got recast. There's a lot of speculation. All I'm going to say is I have a theory about one and the other one I'm not as confident about. Toya was originally being played by Jesse James Greel and is now being played by Bryson Boggess, who has played characters like Nagi in Blue Lock and Belle in Don Machi. Yumina was previously played by Felicia Angeal and is now being played by Celeste Perez, who has played characters like Rin in Laidback Camp and Anne Halford in Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. I do not know specifically why those two in particular were recast. I have a theory about one that I'm a little more comfortable saying, but the other one I'm not as comfortable saying, and I feel like a lot of people are really speculating about Jesse James and her comfortability with reprising certain characters and roles, despite the fact that she had been reprising a number of characters for the past several years. I, I, I'm not really comfortable commenting on that, and I feel like there's no way to know. It sounds like it was not like a personal thing. It sounds like more like a passing of the torch either way. Bryson seems like a good fit either way. So does Celeste. This dub is being directed by Danny Chambers, who has been an AD for a while, and this is her first solo project. She is also being assisted by Helena Wallstrom, who is having her first solo project in My Clueless First Friend. So they seem to be helping each other out on both fronts. And that's pretty neat. Next is Inspector Season 2, which was a show from last season, which is getting a dub this season. I'm glad it's happening. This one continues. So it seems like this one is also going back to Bang Zoom, this time being directed by Tony Oliver instead of the first season's David Vincent. Uh, both Lizzie Freeman and Brandon Winkler are back as their as the main characters. Uh, two notable characters are Emmy Lowe and Keiji Tang. And this dub is featuring the likes of Ted Sorka, Chris Smith, 
Dava Marie Gregory, Jennifer Losey, and Joe Hernandez. Oh. So yeah, glad to see that they went back and dubbed this one, especially because they didn't last season. So they are still doing some backlog stuff, which is cool and appreciated. Uh, bodes well for Eden Zero, I guess. I don't even know what the fuck's happening with Eden Zero, but I guess it does bode well? Bodes well for... I don't know. There's always backlog stuff in the works. We just usually don't hear about it until it's just all done and just drops on, like, a Tuesday morning. Yeah, pretty much. And then I find out from some weirdos on the uh, Crunchyroll Discord. Either Luigi or Coco tell me. Either way. So moving on to My Home Hero. Uh, This seems to be more of a thriller crime thing? Yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, This one stars... Aaron Roberts as the role as playing the part of Tetsuo, the father. Uh, this is his first lead role, apparently, and I think that's pretty goddamn cool. Uh, Aaron Roberts has played characters like Benny Maru in Fire Force and Zach Walker in Astra Lost in Space. Uh, Kasen, his wife, is being played by Morgan Larey, who's played characters like Rei Todoroki in My Hero Academia and Akira Mato in Tokyo Ghoul. And their daughter, Reika, is being played by Kelly Greenshield, who is Kiyosumi in Call of the Night and Haruka in Chihaya Furu. Uh, this dub features likes of Nazi Tarsha, Jared Green, Jordan Dash Cruz, and Eric Vale. Uh, this is being directed by Jeremy Inman, and he's being assisted by Sarah Ragsdale. Uh, they have previously worked together on The Devil is a Part-Timer Season 2. Sorry. The Devil is a Part-Timer with two exclamation points instead of one. The Devil is a Part-Timer Season 2 is in July. Yes, that's name's so stupid, but I love it. But they previously did that in Classroom of the Elite, as well as Golden Cowboy. Kuma 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 Bear Punch! Everybody that needs to be back seems to be back as far as the cast is concerned. This includes Marissa Lenti, Xanthi Wynn, Amelie, Jalitza Delgado, Felicia Angeal, we'll get back to that later, Lindsay Seidel, Megan Shipman, Y. Chang, and many, many more. But this is no longer being directed by Jade Saxton, who previously directed the first season. This is now being directed by Aaron Roberts, who has directed on Data Live Season 4 and has been an assistant director on Gundam Witch for Mercury, who is being assisted alongside Morgan Loray and Sarah Ragsdale. So that's pretty interesting in itself. Next up is another returning one in Konosuba, an explosion on this wonderful world. So the good news is Bang Zoom is getting a lot of bang for their buck this season. Because I think this is like the third or fourth one we talked about so far. Because, yeah, there's Tonakawa, there's... uh. Oh my god, I'm fucking blanking. Tonikawa, Inspector, and now Konosuba, an explosion on this wonderful world. Erica Mendez is back as Megamine. Kaylee Mills is back as Yoon And a number of people from the movie are back, including Marissa Lenti, Jackie Lostra, Ryan Bartley as the cat, and several others. Uh, 
Also, apparently the narrator is not Kazuma, but he is being played by Kazuma as Arnie Pantoya. So that's pretty cool. Uh, this is no longer being directed by Alex Von David, though. Uh, taking over and stepping in for him is Chris Kaysen. Chris Kaysen, who's directed a lot of dubs, notably stuff like The Seven Deadly Sins and Mob Psycho 100 Seasons 1 and 2. So yeah, I I'm not terribly surprised Alex Von David didn't come back to this because it's very clear he has mentioned in the past he does not enjoy the simuldub speed aspect of simuldubbing. I think he prefers usually projects that he gets a little more time and leeway for. And like he's done a lot of video game stuff. Like he's doing Master Detective's Raincode. And I think that new science adventure game is also getting an English dub that he's directing to. So yeah, wishing him well. He'll probably pop up on the next sort of online thing anyways. Probably. Uh, uh, what the fuck else we got? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Kamikatsu, working for God in a godless world. I was talking with people and I was like, I'm so glad that this show is not somebody's first leading role. Because we have two very notable and experienced actors playing Yukito and Mitama. Yukito is being played by Austin Tyndall, who has played characters such as Millions Knives in Trigun Stampede and Karma Akabane in Assassination Classroom. And Mitama is being played by Sarah Wiedenheff, who has played characters like Power in Chainsaw Man and Zeno in Dragon Ball Super. I bring up Zeno because Zeno is also an adorable little chaos godling thing. I also... God, I'm gonna mention this. I literally saw Jeff's tweet about, wow, this show went from zero to handjob in under five minutes. I'm impressed. And I was wondering, oh god, somebody's going to have to be given the illustrious task of being the girl who resuscitates an unconscious man by giving him a hand job. I'm sorry, what? Oh, you heard me. Yeah, there, there's no, no, like, no, 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 no. I need more context for this. I'm gonna be honest. That is all the context I have. Dude gets isekai'd, wakes up in another world. He's found like unconscious. Local girl decides the way to try and resuscitate him is fucking choking the chicken i guess and that's a thing that happens okay um equal opportunity uh, no no it's not yeah you're right it's not that was terrible <sighs> anyways anyways Bryn april has the honor of being that character and also in the dub is travis molinay Lindsay seidel bradley gareth Melly Grant, Alex Holm, and Chris Guerrero. This is being directed by Jerry Jewell and Jill Harris, who are currently directing Vinland Saga Season 2 and directed the dub for Ningen Fushin. Following up is the legendary hero is dead! 
Uh, starring in the dub of the legendary hero is did is Toka is being played by Rico Fajardo, who has played characters like Junichiro in Tomachan is a girl and Haru in the Millionaire Detective, which is a show that I'm sure Anaplex of America has completely fucking forgotten about. Just just throwing that one out there. Yuna is being played by Alexis Tipton, who has played Eileen in I'm the Villainous, So I'm Taming the Final Boss, and Dominique in The Case Study of Vanitas. And Henri is being played by Michelle Rojas, who is Shion in That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, and Toka in Data Alive. The dub features the likes of, of Justin Briner, Bradley Gareth, and Caitlin Glass. And this is being directed by Sean Gann, who is being assisted by Marcus Stimmick, Michael Stimmick, and Sarah Ragsdale. Uh, Sean Gann has previously directed um, Sugar Daddy Fridays, which if you're wondering what the fuck's that mean, uh, he previously directed Sugar Apple Fairy Tale and Buddy Daddies in the previous season. Thus, Sugar Daddy Fridays. That was bad. Makes it feel bad. I'm not the one that came up with it. Uh, he's the one that came up with Sugar Daddy Fridays. You fucking, you don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you. I don't it's believe funny. you. I, I'm telling the fucking God all this truth. <sighs> all right. Following up is A Galaxy Next Door. Uh, this one stars Shiori, who is being played by Caitlin Barr who's played characters like Natsumi in Data Live and Himeno in Chainsaw Man. Ichiro is being played by Nazi Tarsha, who has played Jude in the Saint Magic Powers in... Uh, oh, wow. Words. Thus, Jude in the Saint's Magic Power is omnipotent. God, I, these the words are hard. And Chobei in the previously discussed Hell's Paradise. Uh, Machi is being played by Kelsey Maher, who has played characters like Agate in Ningen Fushin and Tsukasa in The Maid I Hired Recently as Mysterious. And Fumio is being played by Emily Fajardo, who has played characters like Kosetsu in Shinobi no Itoki and Boji in Ranking of Kings. Uh, this dub features the likes of Meg McLean, Jack Reader, Natalie Van Sistine, Bruce DeBose, and Laurie Steele. And this dub is being directed by Jonathan Rigg who was previously the director on The Great Jahi Will Not Be Defeated and the recently wrapped Blue Lock anime. Dr. Stone, New World. Everybody that needs to be back is back, including Felicia on Geel. My theory about why she's back for this and not the smartphone show We'll come back at the very end. I promise I have a thesis. Also, presumably, Jesse James is back as Keenro too, because a lot of people really like to make a lot of fucking assumptions because of the smartphone show. It's a fucking isekai show from six years ago getting a second season. Do... Do, do you care? Ugh, whatever. Um, Dr. Stone New World, interestingly enough, though, is being directed by... Chris George and Michelle Rojas, which previously the first two seasons were directed by Clifford Chapin, and the Ryusui special was dubbed by Michelle Rojas. Uh, so yeah, Chris George has notably directed dubs like Spy Family and the Black Clover anime. 
And the same team of Chris George and Michelle Rojas is also directing the Ancient Magus Bride Season 2. And presumably everybody's back for that. The only ones they listed were Chise and Elias, which is kind of annoying because Season 2 has a whole bunch of new characters that they didn't announce. So... That's more of an annoying thing for me, but Ancient Magus Bride is back. I'm happy about that. Apparently, I need to rewatch season one because they just start you off cold. So that might be good for a refresher. Dead Mount Death Play. A series that I am exclusively excited about because I know this is the Bacchano Dudarara guy writing it. Uh, the main character, Polka, is being played by Morgan Berry. Morgan Berry, who's played characters like Moraha in Yashihime and NK Cell in Cells at Work. Followed that is Misaki being played by Brie Han, and this is her first named anime role. Congratulations to you, Brie. I'm excited to see what you bring to the table. And Takami is being played by Brandon Acosta, who's played Leonardo in Blue Lock, and Kenjini Avery in Gundam Witch from Mercury. This dub features likes of Gerard Caster, Jennifer Alex, Jason Douglas, Jarek Snow, and William Ofwegbu. God, I don't know how to say your name. I apologize, William. Uh, this is being directed by Jason Lord, who is currently directing Gundam The Witch Up from Mercury, and has previously directed dubs like Lucifer and The Biscuit Hammer. I got a cheat skill. I didn't even write the full title, because fuck, and I don't care. Mm. Playing the role of Yuya is Lee George, and God, between you and me, this is another one of those, God, I'm glad this isn't somebody's first lead role show. Yuya is being played by Lee George, who's played Himuro in last season's The Ice Cool Guy and His Female Colleague, and Apare in Apare Ranman. Uh, Kaori and Lexia are being played by Kelsey Maher and Kelly Greenshield, who I previously talked about Kelsey in A Galaxy Next Door as Machi, and Kelly as Reika in My Home Hero. This one is also being directed by Sean Gann, Marcus, Michael, Stimmick, and Sarah Ragsdale. So Sean Gann, after doing Buddy Daddies, had to come and pay his isekai tax this season. Unfortunate, but... Paying his dues on doing the cool shows. By the way, I'm finally making my way through Buddy Daddies. Did you know that show is good? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we talked about it last time. It's good. Yeah, it is. Apparently, the English dub of that made that last episode slightly gayer. Fantastic. Some people understood the assignment. You are very much appreciated for your hard work. The context being in the sub... It was that he went out drinking with a girl, but in the dub, it was that he went drinking with the ladies. Where the assumption being, like, a lot of people writing in is like, oh, he's just drinking with the other moms of the kids so they could bitch about their husbands or something like that. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that sounds about right. Put some respect on Ben Phillips' name. That dude is great. And I... Seem to be... Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, what's this? Um, Had a little something that just kind of slipped past my radar, and... Oh! Oh, this last one's not even a Crunchyroll simuldub. It's a Disney one. Ah, yes. So let's talk about 
Heavenly Delusion, aka Ten Goku Daimakio, which for the fucking record, why the fuck did you choose the Romanized title of Ten Goku Daimakio? Uh, I don't know, like some Disney exact what some Disney that's not a Japanese name, it went like sure, just go with that and didn't do any research, I guess. It's like I, I talk about Romanized stuff where it's like, look, I make fun of Boku no Hero Academia because it is like almost no work to say My Hero Academia, and they still made it slightly more work. Attack on Titan is easier to say than Shingeki no Kyojin. I'm okay with like Kekai Sensen because that's simpler than Blood Blockade Battlefront, but Tengoku Daimakyo is not simpler and easier to remember than Heavenly Delusion. Are you fucking kidding me? This is ridiculous. Anyways, my rant aside, I'm going to talk about the main two characters for this. Uh, Kiriko is being played by Anjali Kunapaneni, who you'll know as characters like Karin in Fena Pirate Princess and what's a good one Mimi Imimi oh my god that's a name in Yu-Gi-Oh! Sevens uh so yeah they've done good work they're also going to be one of the lead characters in the new uh Master Detective Archive game and playing the role of Maru is Jonathan Leon who you'll know as Kazushi Yamagishi in Tokyo Revengers and drop aka shizuku sakuma in goodbye don glees uh this dub also features the voice talents of madeline morris Brittany lauda aj beckles john Choi, tia ballard and hal fang just to include a couple this dub is being done at Br- dubbing brothers studios in usa it's being directed by Felicia on Geo. So my personal out my ass theory about why Felicia on Geo is not in In Another World with My Smartphone Season 2, but did reprise for Kuma 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 Bear and Dr. Stone New Worlds is because she had to reprise for three potentially three characters. And direct a pretty intensive same day simul dub all at the same time. I think something just had to give for her schedule to work this season, and the something that had to give was the smartphone show. That's my theory about why she didn't return for that, but is back for like Doctor Stone, the Kuma show. Just kind of like an odd man out situation on her, or is my guess. Yeah, that would make sense. Anyways, I wanted to tell you all about the dub of Tengoku Daimakyo, aka Heavenly Delusion, is because the cast of this was announced on, like, April 11th and was available to watch on, like, April 10th or 11th on Disney+. Plus. The dub for the first episode finally came out on Hulu two weeks later. <sighs> like, literally two weeks they were able to announce this two weeks ago, and it only came out, like, two days ago. Everything that's going wrong with Disney's anime pushes fucking Hulu. Fucking insane. 
Yeah, it really is. Anyways, that fill up enough time? Yes, it did. And uh, I'd tell you that I would like to be watching a lot more shows on, like, Heavenly Delusion on Disney Plus in a different country via a VPN, but... As it turns out, they don't like that, because when I tried to watch something on there through a VPN in another country, I had to reset my password, because they thought it was suspicious. Oof. Oof. Disney, just put everything on one platform. We can live. Uh, but, uh, they can't, uh, but they can't do that. Uh, Heavenly Delusion has, uh, you know, it has too much violence, and, you know... Like boobs and stuff. They, they they can't put that on Disney Plus. Think of the children. Didn't yeah. they put like the Netflix Marvel stuff and Logan and Deadpool? Yes, okay, okay, but that's Marvel. Okay, but that's Marvel. They that's Marvel. Therefore, like Disney's more flexible with that. They're not going to be more flexible with anime. You have Ugh. you have profiles for a reason. Yeah, okay, and specifically, I'm talking about like US Disney, not like. This other regions. It, it's it's so ridiculous. It, it's so ridiculous. At this point, Disney might actually be doing good with their anime stuff right now because this dub cast looks fantastic. Ruben Lack deserves a fucking drink. Yeah, they're doing good everywhere but here. Literally everywhere but the U.S. right now. It's it's kind of insane. I'm almost impressed at how bad it's being run. Like you it, have to work to get that to that level. It it feels like absolute indifference. Anyways, that's that. <clears throat> I'm very <laughs> It's a lot of work to say all this stuff. Yeah, uh yeah, you said uh, t- yeah, take a break, dude. Yeah, okay. go do that, and I'll take the microphone back, because, yeah, that killed uh, about 40 minutes of uh, airtime, which uh, does wonders for this show. So now we can move on to our uh, next section, the announcements and updates uh, section here. And uh, you mentioned some sequels that Crunchyroll is uh, probably funding through various means. Here's one we didn't expect. Yeah, we've talked about the show Bartender from 2006 as it's come out on Blu-ray over here in the UK. It was one of those sort of if you knew you knew kind of shows. It was very blink and you miss it because it was from 2006 and never came over here in any capacity in a notable fashion. And then we got word that there's going to be a sequel coming next spring on Crunchyroll. Hmm. So, there's a very specific detail about this announcement that was pointed out to me. And one of the big things I remember, Adam Sheehan, who was who tried to get this show at Funimation back when he worked at Funimation, and then at Crunchyroll, but to, like, no avail for so many years. And the biggest thing that made it impossible is all of the liquor licenses uh-huh. for the show alone. What made it, like, nigh impossible. There's a reason I mention that, because it was brought to my attention that one of the partners on this production 
is Suntory Holdings, which is one of the big Japanese liquor companies in Japan. So they got a good sponsor to actually get them official, licensed, correct alcohols, beverages, and drinks in this project. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, a sequel after 18 years. Who could have seen that coming? It's either a sequel or just like a new anime with a different bartender or something like that. Either way, it's still kind of weird and kind of wild. It's, it's <laughs> wild. This feels like one of those... This Getting a sequel feels like one of those, oh, this was for the weirdos specifically. And Arcata. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'll be coming uh, next spring. It'll be produced at Studio Liber. I I recognize them for one thing, and that's as the assistant, as one of the two studios working on the ice cool guy and his female colleague alongside Studio Zero G. And it's being directed by Ryochi Kuraya, who did Farming Life in Another World. Uh, written by one of the writers of Ascendance of a Bookworm, and the character designs are being drawn by Yoichi Ueda, who did Gangsta. Hmm. I can see that with some of these uh, uh, designs here. I can see that. Also, I'm just going to say this right now, no, Takahata is not actually mad or going to sue. He's doing a fucking bit, guys. Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, like, like I saw people actually thinking uh, he was being serious, and it's like, no, he's not fucking serious. He's just doing a bit. He's. Do you people even understand who Ta? There are people who didn't know that Takahata was one of the Team Four Star guys. That's how far he's fucking come. Oh boy. Like watching the commentaries, he was literally just like somebody in the chat was like. Are you watching this for the first time? Like, like that reminds me that people watch the Monarch streams and don't know that she is a voice actor and a cover artist on YouTube for well over a decade. Wild. <sighs> Anyways, uh, Bartender, Glass of God. Uh, check that out next April. Yes, do that. And, uh... Well, this wasn't really planned to be talked about here, but... This dropped like 30 minutes before we were supposed to record. Yeah, so out of nowhere, Crunchyroll just picked up Inuyashiki Blast Hero. Yeah! Fucking Inuyashiki! The show that was on Amazon came out in the fall of 2017. So, just to give you context... The show came out in October 2017 and is now streaming on Crunchyroll in April of 2023. Mm-hmm. Glad to see uh, another Amazon title get a new home. I think this is one of the first ones we've seen Crunchyroll get in a long while. Last one, I think, was fucking... Was it Kabaneri? I think it was Kabaneri. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. and I think Kabaneri is one where, like, they had the home video license 
to start with. Yeah, kind of weird. That was one of their original home video licenses, too. Oh, God. yeah, I remember that. Wow. Alongside Big Order. Uh, so. Remember when Big Order was supposed to get dubbed? <laughs> yeah, we've gone over that. Now, uh, this has me thinking of a couple other things. Number one, this is interesting because this was a Noitamina show during the time when uh, Amazon had exclusivity on that. And we know some of those shows have gone to other companies. Battery and the Ray Passes went to discotheque. Scum's Wish, Psycho- Scum, not, uh, not that one. Scum's Wish and Dive went to Sentai. Specifically after Inuyashiki, we have After the Rain, Wotakoi, and Banana Fish before a new deal was signed with Anaplex and Crunchyroll, etc. If this is presumably the first one, because on the, the site page for the show, it's listed as Fuji TV as publisher. And considering they have the big uh, partnership with Fuji TV right it now, makes, it point. makes me wonder: Is there more coming? It is very, very possible. Yes, yeah. yeah. Specifically, one show that I've been clamoring for somebody to get for about five years. I said, oh man, oh man, to which uh, if that happens, give it to David Wald, please, and thank you. Give it to whatever studio will let David Wald do it, because David Wald is not like a main staff director. J- just give it, give it to Sound Cadence, give it to Nano, give it to wh- whoever will let David fucking Wald do it. Because as far as like white whale gay shit, I think he's got it almost. Like the given was like the big one, banana fish is like the other big one now. Mm-hmm. Also, I guess, uh, magical revolution now, too. Yeah, uh, this is where duels would chime in, but uh, he had to step away from him to talk about some union business. So I will speak on his behalf and say if this has something to do with Amazon exclusivity. Recreators? Maybe? Fucking yes, come on. Fucking. Uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, hoping some Adipox executive isn't being really particular about that for whatever reason. God, fucking Recreators is so fucking good. And of course, hopefully a dub for Inu Yashiki down the road. Obviously, it's not going to happen right now. Yeah, uh, yeah I am definitely looking forward to if that happens, I'm definitely looking forward to whatever actor gets to, like, say, One Piece was crazy good that week. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, it should be Anthony Bowling. That'd be funny. I will raise you one better. Who's going to play a certain uh, former president at the end oh of the show? Oh my god. Some. Oh no. That happened. Y'all forgot that happened, but it happened. Oh no! <laughs> Given the big people of Earth speech. <laughs> oh no! I forgot. Let's I just put uh, that can of worms to the side for right now. We'll um, later. Yeah, I might have an app joke to an app joke to make about that. Just like give me a moment to double check something. Okay. I for gore. Anyways, Inu Yashiki, glad to see it's finally on Crunchyroll. That's a very pleasant surprise. 
Yeah, very pleasant. And, um, well, somebody had to get it. Now, can somebody get banana fish, please? And recreators, and water koi, and I guess some of the other ones? Okay, um, I'll just, uh, move on to this next thing. Just, uh, this is a very short one. So, G Kids picked up Nadia's Secret of Blue Water, gave a fancy blue release based off of 4K restoration. And it will be coming to Retro, Retro Crush in June. Yay! Yay! A cool show that's fan-favorite, popular, getting a streaming home on Retro Crush. Those guys are cool. Um, yeah, oh, and uh, in case uh, anyone was wondering anything, I was uh, checking. Uh, if, they did, sorry, uh, if they did need to get someone to voice uh, the Orange Man in, in Inuyasuki Dub, um... I don't know if he's still around or if it was an actual name that was being used because it might have been an alias. An actor by the name of Brad Smeaton, specifically because uh, they were in the uh, they were in a little dub. Uh, some of you might remember because um, because uh, they were definitely having a lot of fun with it. He might first girlfriend is a gal dub, but the reason I'm saying that is because there is a bit where for some reason. He did, where for some reason they'd have him do a like parody of making make America great again for whatever uh, reason. So you know what? Just let that guy do it. Good lord. Huh. <laughs> okay, sure. Why not? Sure. Why not? Alrighty. So we move on. Uh we have we have some Lucy movie things here to talk about. Starting with this uh, apparent report from Cinemark that the first slam dunk film will be coming to theaters in the U.S. sometime. I want to know to note that I legitimately saw the news that the first slam dunk was getting released by Anime Limited, which they do a bunch of UK stuff. I saw Miles was talking about it, so my first thought was, "Oh shit." Does that mean Anime Limited has it in the United States, too? And then I found out he moved to Scotland? I believe we've mentioned this before. I know, and I still forgot about it. What the fuck? I, I, mean, I mean, good for him, I guess, but... Okay. <laughs> Where's my fucking Antarctica Girls dub, okay? In time, in time... I'm impatient. I need to know. Anyways, uh, first slam dunk. I'm really curious who the fuck picked this one up. Is this one just Toei? Wouldn't uh, be surprising. Possibly. Then who would they get to dub it with? Uh, I don't know. Toei is so strange. I say everything. Yes. <laughs> Toei is so strange as everything. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but in more concrete details, we have here Shin Kamen Rider, the uh, newest magnum opus from Hideaki Anno, will be headed to theaters in the U.S. as confirmed by Fandango, Regal, Cinemark, and AMC theaters on May 31st. Yay! Yay! I'm glad that Anno just is getting to make all of his childhood favorites. Just all of them. Good, fucking good for him. <laughs> yep. I wonder if this one's also going to be dubbed by Okatron. 
Which, by the way, did you know that the new Ultraman series in July is getting a same-day simulcast and simuldub? Uh, Toei could never. Toei could fucking never. Super Riot does what Toei don't. I don't know who gets the... Anyways... So Superaya seems to be very tight with Okatron. I hope they get to dub Gridman Universe so Clifford Chapin could come back and direct that. That would be cool. It would be cool. It would be very cool. And as for movies that are available for you all to watch now, uh, we have some more movies up on Crunchyroll that you can all watch. Uh, by the time this episode is up, uh, right now, we have the Slime Time movie, Scarlet Bond, the Quintessential Quintuplets movie, Mobile Suit Gundam, Crew Cruiser Stones Island, uh, both free, the final stroke films, and to every you I've loved before, and to me, the one who loved you, those weird crossover-ish movies. So, very happy for Scarlet Bond, uh, that was a cool movie I saw in theaters, very happy for the Quintessential Quintuplets movie, because my local theater fucked the screening up and I saw the sub-only version, so now I can finally watch the fucking dub. So that's <laughs> nice. Uh, Kukuru's Doan Island is pretty neat because that is a Universal Century thing and that's an NYAV post-dub. And, yeah. Yeah, uh, I took that out. I, especially on the grounds that my buddy Got just recently finished... Uh, the original Mobile Suit Gundam series, and this was a lost episode made into a modern movie, into a modern dub. So I need to show that to them to watch <laughs> it, and then they could get their mind blown seeing the difference between 79 and 2022. Uh, yeah, also, we would probably be bitter. I mean, I mean, I did watch like the origin dub, uh, but you know, you only see so much like the main Gundam cats and that, so I'm kind of curious how they actually sound. <laughs> I think the main character, I think the main villain in that is also a local Dallas actor, now that I think about it. Uh, that would check out. Anyways, I'm just going to say this right now. I support I support your cause in that the uh, Birdie Wing dub should be done dubbed at NYAV Post. Uh, absolutely. Like, we need Legion Dodge and keep Silverside in there so they can play golf opera with golf yard. <laughs> and that is that, and like, and that's actually not a joke. It's literally just like the actors of like Amaro and Char playing new coaches for some reason. One of them was literally named like Raya Amaro. Like they knew what they were doing. How is? I don't get Sunrise is fucking crazy. I can't believe that Bernie's wing is real. Yeah. <laughs> it also sounded like that. Di okay, I was. I don't have much to say about free the final stroke because I legitimately always forget which free movies are out. Like I, I, I literally have lost track of which free movies are which. This series is ten years old this year. It does not feel that long. God, it is. I mean, yeah. Like even if the even if people have lost interest in free. Free, free struck while the iron was hot and took the series to its logical conclusions. How many years since Ice Adolescence? I rest my case. Yeah. 
and the to every you I've loved and to me I've heard good things about those I have not watched them yet seems interesting anyways movies yay movies I can finally watch the Quince movie dub I'm still fucking bitter about that I haven't got back to I haven't got back to that local theater since yeah all right and, and to round out this bit of free movie movie talk um I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie. It was oh, yeah, a very it? fine isekai movie, indeed. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, apparently in some theaters being played in, in Japanese, so if you live in uh, L.A. or San Francisco or New York or Toronto or Seattle, you can go see it there. I don't think I need to go to New York City to listen to Mamoru Mi Mario, but... I, was, I, I, was, I mean, it, I mean it's those who's preferable to Chris Pratt, but... Uh. Yeah. Now, uh, Universal... <laughs> You know what you need to do. Release it on disc over here with the Japanese dub. You have one job. Don't screw it up. I don't think they will, but I could see Peacock's stream of it, because you know it's going to be exclusive to Peacock. Oh, yeah, um, It's probably going to have all the language options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before I saw another movie, I saw a trailer for Sony's live-action Knights of the Zodiac film, which looks like a very predictable mid-action movie. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I mean, I probably will go see it because of course, but like, yeah, nothing about it seems particularly exciting. It looks fine. As as as, as I mean, uh, I mean, it doesn't look like a fatally bad, but it's. But so, I, I don't know who knows. It can even be an okay adaptation, but I already see like one or two days with like, oh, okay, like clearly they're. Throwing in some extra stuff because it's a Hollywood thing. Yeah, and as a means for um, corporate synergy, the redub of Saint Saint Ice the Zodiac has moved over to Crunchyroll. I'm gonna be honest, fucking good. I thought this was gone. This was on Netflix, and I just thought. This was gone for good. I, I mean, as a, I mean, I wasn't like super. I mean, I figured it might come back eventually because, like, that, that the way that the way everything that the way everything's rather that done with handled it seemed like it was something that Toei made themselves. So I figured they probably pulled the license. So I guess they just had to wait for I don't know whatever exclusivity deal with they had with Netflix to expire. I guess. I mean, that would have been a lot of wasted money and effort to dub that if it just fell into the cracks somewhere. Uh, but, any but anyway, I'm glad that's available again. That's a good dub. Yeah, I've heard really good things about that that dub, and it's like a good modern Saint Seiya dub. I think Bryson Boggess is Seiya. Yep. And is there was there ever a full cast list for this anywhere? I genuinely do not. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I mean, I could name for you off the top of my head who plays like the uh, the main five. Uh, yeah, you got five. yeah, you get yeah, you got like Bryson Vegas is say uh Blake, so uh, Blake Shepard Blake Shepherd is Shiryu. Uh, I believe it is Patrick Poole as Yoga. Uh, Blake Jackson as um, as Shun. Uh, fun fact: This is actually like that was actually the very first thing I heard Blake Jackson in. So uh, yeah. that was cool. And then, uh, and then uh, Phoenix Iki was Adam Gibbs, and and Athena herself was Emily Dames. 
That's a that's a pretty solid cast, actually. Yeah. Huh. All right. Um. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Glad this dub has it home somewhere. Like, whatever thoughts on this movie, the fact that that new dub is streaming and not only purchasable on the Microsoft Store and nowhere else is nice. Because imagine having to pay a hundred for 114 episodes of the English dub on it to own all of it. Yeah, on that note, I know it might be a little greedy considering we, considering, you know, they added a TV series to Netflix and that's cool and all, but, uh, you know, it would also be cool, Tally, uh, if you guys went back to uh, dub the Hades OVAs, uh, please and thank you. That would be nice. Why, certainly. Yeah. Uh, this movie, by the way, costs $60 million to make. And here's the premise, as it says on Wikipedia. <clears throat> when a goddess of war reincarnates in the body of a young girl... Street orphan Seiya discovers that he is destined to protect her and save the world, but only if he can face his own past and become a knight of the Zodiac. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm that sorry. sounds fine. Yeah, okay, so it kind of sounds similar to that 3D CG reboot. Granted, I got it in like the chances they made there. Uh, I mean, I mean, Seiya's an orphan in like the original version too, but I don't know he was like raised with a bunch of other orphans. That trailer does not give me a whole lot of confidence in what this movie is going to be. This gives me the, the kind of confidence that Mortal Mortal Kombat 2021 gave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing I will, yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest negative to me is that like they sort of like they sort of like took a sound too soon to not like whatever they have going on. It looks fine. I'm glad we have this new dub streaming. That that yeah. genuinely is a net positive. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. That yep, just universal net positive right there. Mm-hmm. You know what would have hyped me more for that movie trailer? Bowling for soup. Managed to. Yes. Yeah. Oh <laughs> All right. I, I genuinely am trying to see if there's a page that has the sent sent Saint. Say a Sentai cast. God, say that five times fast. As, as, I, mean, as, I, mean, I mean, if you're curious, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure there's an episode on it from, you know, some, some podcast someone watches, uh, Dove Talk or something. Uh, those guys are fucking <laughs> scrunched. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, heard that dipshit Andrew described Chisato as a uh, vashed lesbian stampede, so obviously he's full of shit. <laughs> uh, okay and well we move on to home video talk which is very very sparse we so, have we have six things total yeah one of them is exciting and a couple of them are neat but what okay the so starting with this they just announced coming out on july 18th Thus spoke Kishibe Rohan. So, A, this is exciting for two reasons. One, I love that one of the special features included is an interview with Landon McDonald. That tickles me. (laughs) He's a very good actor, and I'm very happy that 
he is absolutely getting roles that are not just voice matching the problematic person. But you know what? He also does do a damn good job taking his roles because he's really good as Rohan. And man, I watched Boongo season four. He's he's so much fucking better than Vic as as Rampo Itagawa. It, it's it is ridiculous. It's such an upgrade. Mm. Um, and secondly. This is cool because this continues to lean into that theory that Viz is totally cool picking up Netflix anime if they already have the manga to that anime adaptation. I say this because they have put out anime, the anime of Record of Ragnarok and Levius already. And of course they recently licensed the book Kishibe Rohan. Presumably, this also means Stone Ocean is coming. And this leads the path for titles like Comey Can't Communicate, Way of the House Husband, B-Stars, Romantic Killer, Dorohidoro, Children of the Whales, maybe Kuriko's Basketball, and maybe some other ones that I'm forgetting about. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And while we are still quite a ways from that potentially happening, like... The, the, it would be so hilarious, so very hilarious if it was Viz who got Pluto. I would die <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and you know, Viz did publish the original Bastard manga back in the day. Oh yeah, that's the other one you were just telling me about, right? Yep. So yeah, that Bastard's a possibility. So hey, that's cool. I'm mm-hmm. glad to see Viz is getting more of these Netflix titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that, and now we have to the Crunchyroll July slate, which is a combo breaker. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm very pissed that this is a combo breaker from the big slate, small slate, to do two whole months of pitifully small slates. Yeah, so July 4th, we have part one of season 13 of One Piece. So this is the home video release of Whole Cake Island. So that is how far the difference between the One Piece physicals and the One Piece streaming digital is right now. Very vast. Yeah, we also have season one of... Oh, sorry, season two, I'm reading the wrong number, of Obey Me. Uh, Sub-only release. Yeah. Okay. On July 11th, we have One Piece Film Red. The most surprising thing to me about this release is that this is maybe the only time I've ever seen them include the movie tie-in special episodes Yeah, with have, the movie. They have extras on here, unlike Dragon Ball Super Superhero, but apparently they're planning something else for later, but whatever. I'm sure it'll make us all green with envy. Yeah. Dear God, Andrew. Dear God. DaVinci Resolve is a free program. Use it to color correct your Blu-ray titles wherever you get them. Alright. Uh July 18th, we have The Devil is a Part-Timer Double Exclamation Point, aka Season 2. And Season 3, which is actually called Season 2, will be coming. God, I love that. I love stupid uh... names. And, yep, 
Yeah, and on July 25th, we have the ancient Mega Sprite OVAs. Uh, the, the Boy from the West and the Knight of the Blue Storm. That is what these three episodes are called. And that is fucking it? Yeah, that's it. So, like, I think we had this rant last time? Yes, we did. So we're not going to go too much into it. What the fuck? Undercutting their own home video market because of arbitrary reasoning. And, and I saw some people being like, they're probably going to use July just to promote One Piece Film Red. And but like, what the what, what the fuck? You can still promote One Piece and put out like two or three other discs. <sighs> what the fuck? This is ridiculous. This is genuinely ridiculous. I, I it's like I don't know how to say it without sounding like the spoiled entitled brat. Where it's like, oh no, why are you not putting out twelve things at a time? But like, you are the biggest anime company in the world, and this is less. Than a discotheque release slate. Uh, yeah, and uh, and uh, do do not forget they did literally buy the biggest anime retailer in the U.S. So uh, they have this, so uh, they have the resources to put out many discs, but we aren't getting them for whatever reason. Unless August is just a gigantic month. If they do like a third meeker month, like what the fuck is going on? Nothing good. Like I, I, I don't even buy this as a production issue or whatever. This is, this is just strange. You can't even buy. Nope. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very weird. So, uh, anecdotally, I will mention when I was on vacation uh, last month, I went to a Target and picked up uh, the second half of season one of Demon Slayer. And Ishimega Sprite from Target because they were on clearance. They were a little scuffed, mm. so I guess they didn't know what, what to do with them. So, hey, I picked them up. I paid 40 bucks for both of them. Total? Oh, that's a good deal. Total, yeah. Dang. Yeah, I think Demon Slayer was $14. Yeah, wow, that's a great I'm deal. I'm assuming that was the more bare bones Yes, edition. yes. They're not going to sell Anaplex out at Target. Come on. Unless you're sketch. Yeah, no, no. If you're sketch, you get Anaplex titles in blind boxes. <laughs> God, I I remember getting a Miku concert from one of those boxes. Uh, yeah. yeah, it would be nice if they did those again, but uh, apparently that's that's not, never happening again. That's not part not. of the corporate plans. Oh well, I buy a little soft in the UK anyway. Okay, so. One last thing for us to get to, and uh, because this is such a short episode, I'm tacking this on in here anyway, so you're going to get this in two categories. It's movie night, and it's time to talk about the newest movie from Makoto Shinkai, Suzume. Hey, got a sec? I'm looking for ruins, specifically a door. A door? Just like he said. Impossible! There's no way! Ah! 
Gates open in lonely places where no human hearts remain. And from those gates, Isn't it? <gasps> disaster comes. Hi there. You're in the way. Goodbye. <gasps> what the hell's going on? for you to tag along. Maybe you should be worrying more about yourself. <laughs> what? You came looking for a cat all the way from Kyushu? People will die. A whole lot of them. Zota! Wait! <gasps> all right then, I need you to lock the door. You were right. I can't do it. <laughs> As I feared, Sota failed, didn't he? That much at least should frighten you. A world without Sota terrifies me! I could never forget. I promise, I'll come save you. The guy's got a life of his own to worry about. I get the feeling that whatever you're doing, it's super important. I return them to you! I return them to you! I'll see you. I'll see you. <laughs> I'll see you. So, if you want a really, 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 really abridged uh, discussion, the discussion is thus. Way better than weathering with you, not as good as your name. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. That, that seems to be the pretty obvious consensus. I don't think it's very interesting to keep that as the only consensus, because that feels kind of I don't know obvious? I mean I guess but it's like it's not even like I disliked Weather with you as a whole it's just like man that ending yeah that ending <laughs> was really really strange kind of deflated and even brought down your name a little which is an impressive feat yeah um I'd like to point out how we got to this point, both for the movie and for Shinkai as a director. So, uh, pre your name, uh, Shinkai did uh, very weird, abstract kind of things like five centimeters per second, show, um, Garden of Wars, Place Promise in our early days. They're very, uh, I guess you could say the reception of those were kind of mixed, depending on who you ask, because they're not really full movies. They're like hour-long set pieces with very abstract concepts to them. It's kind of weird. So the thing that's notable about that is how huge. Like, it, I feel like we kind of take it for granted. Your name was huge genuinely one of the biggest anime movies of all time. Yeah, though that wasn't his first full-length film. That would be Children Who Chase Lost Voices, which kind of served as the bridging between those earlier movies to where we would come to five years after it. Your Name, however, was a prime example of right place, right time. Right place, right time. Like, I feel like people almost consider it formulaic now, but it 
set the standard for what a lot of people considered to be the anime movie for several years to come. Mm-hmm. Mm. Before people realized, oh, original feature films aren't doing as well as franchise stuff, so now everything is franchise movies. Yeah. Say for the auteur director who can still get those big projects. Which I guess now is Shinkai. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's quite happy. No, we'll 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 come back to that. Put a pin in that thought. Uh, okay, I didn't know if you want to pull that off now or not, if you just want yet, to talk not about it. Not okay. yet, not yet, not yet. Remember, we have to build to this. Uh, fair, 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 fair yeah. enough, because yeah. it is so, worth talking. So, in our timeline, your name comes out, it makes a whole lot of money, it, it basically sets a new standard for what these films can be in terms of characterization, plot progression, overall scope, and then we get to Weathering With You, which was... Kind of a step back in a lot of ways. It had a lot of similar themes. One of them being supernatural phenomena. Boy meets girl and nature tragedy. It 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 treaded a lot of similar ground. Yeah, it treaded a lot of similar ground. Uh, Really, really going to make up its mind about climate change for some reason. I I also think I, I think the dub was solid. But I think the lead guy almost sounded a little too young, and Lee, for Lee Pace and uh, Allison Brie were way better than I was expecting. But holy shit, is Riz Ahmed fucking <laughs> awful at double? Yeah. Oh my god! Go, go listen to our our episode on that from uh, 2020 if you want uh, further context on what the hell we're talking about. I still can't believe they made Diane from BoJack Horseman the hot big sister, Onesan. <laughs> like, that's still crazy, and it fucking works. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that happened, and then a few months after that, movie came out over here. Um, it happened. You all know what it is. Yep. Uh, I'm, g- I'm gonna be real, I'm not... Oh, COVID? Yeah, as uh, yeah, like literally like the week after I went to see it. No, no, no. Yeah, no, there was there was we saw it in there was Jan- two months in, in January. It was in January. Things didn't really shut down till March, but you are right. It was basically right. God, it really was months after our release of Weathering with You. Yeah, yeah. I think that. I think yeah, I think Weathering with You might have like literally been the last thing I saw on Twitter before that happened. No, it wasn't. Uh, did because you see you, Tokyo Godfathers? Yes, I was going to say because you were with Stephanie. Okay, I can I can remember if that I can re- remember Tokyo Godfathers. Yeah, that came out like a week before. It was literally happened. like March tenth. Uh, 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 okay, okay, so I just got those dates wrong in my head. All right. <laughs> mm. Okay, so we now skip ahead to twenty twenty three for for us anyway. There's been a lot of time to craft this movie together, and there are themes. This movie is chock full of themes to it, which we'll get to when we talk about the movie, but I think we have to establish who is who in here. Oh, oh shit, okay. So, I will take, I will take the lead here. I will take the lead here. Uh, okay, cool. Okay, 
So in our main role of Suza May, you know, the titular Suza May, we have one Nicole Sakura, who some of you might know from this uh, very low-key TV show. You might have heard of it called um, Superstore? Superstore is kind of like one of those shows on... It was like an NBC like comedy sitcom that I feel like kind of went up. it was around the same time as the good place and like when brooklyn 99 was st- really big and i feel like it didn't stand out as much compared to those two but it's not a bad show it's just it's just it's just kind of like a decent like bc tier like comedy show yeah it, it, it's fine uh she's also credited for this uh showtime show that lasted for a while shameless Oh my fucking god, Shameless. Oh man, my parents were really into Shameless. <laughs> what? D- dude, I cannot tell you how jarring it is walking into a room when your parents are walking are watching Shameless without any context. Because there are some fucked up things that happen in Shameless. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like I I think I have walked in on like gay sex happening in Shameless. <laughs> fun for the whole family uh, i do okay dude i like it was literally i think i was like maybe like 14 or something and i vividly remember like two army guys fucking and like the bottom guy was saying pound my hole like a dead iraqi i was like what the fuck are you watching <laughs> what the fuck are you watching now there's a statement. <clears throat> God. You say my video games are too violent. What the fuck's going on here? Okay. 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 Anyways, that that is a story. Just well, I... Yeah. <coughs> okay. There's that. Um, as our side protagonist, Sota, who we'll talk about in more detail later, we have Josh Keaton. Josh motherfucking Keaton. When I saw his name here, I was like, yes. So good. Josh Keaton's incredible. He's a fantastic actor. One of my favorite Spider-Men. And yes, we know about Voltron. Everybody knows about Voltron. But you know what? He's fucking fantastic as Shiro, too. And also, while uh, most also while only a handful of people actually watch that show, which is a shame because it was amazing. Uh, he was also a really good Hal Jordan in that Green Lantern animated series that everyone should have watched. Wait, the CG one? Yeah. Oh, shit. I actually did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, Josh Keaton's a great actor. I was really excited to see him lead a Shinkai movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And as uh, Susan May's Aunt Tomaki, who plays a substantial role in the movie, Jennifer Sunbell. An actress I vaguely know the name of, but can't say what I actually know their work from. So this is my first real exposure to her as an actress. Uh, credited for Genshin Impact roles and, of all things, Trollstopia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and as our kind of sort of antagonist, Daijin, who is a cat, we have... Lena Josephine Morano. This is a child actor, and honestly, I actually really liked Daichi's voice a lot. It's a, it's a very fun, fun. performance. <laughs> Diabolical child actor is an inspired choice. Yes. 
Yes, it is. Like uh, the Luma in Super Mario Brothers. Oh, I actually do know that. I saw that clip. <laughs> Ooh, fresh meat for the grinder. Pay him no heed. He is cute, but he is. There's got to be a way out of here. There's no escape. The only hope is the sweet relief of death. Whoa! Oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and of course, we have a fantastic supporting cast here. Uh, Joe Zeha. Uh, Rosalie, Joe Zisha, I think. Joe thank you. Uh, Rosalie Chiang, Roger Craig Smith, Amanda C. Miller, Mela Lee, Cam Clark, Allegra Clark, a relation, Abby Trot, Jenny Kwan, and Jake E. Burrell produced at Bang Zoom, directed by one Bill Millsap. This is a solid cast. And this is most assuredly a union dub production like that that's not even a question there are certain actors that are here where it's like you could not do this if this was a non-union thing it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah it's gonna sound i don't it might sound like a little suity to say it this way but like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, and i've mostly seen this on the top of it when i walked this up but when i came out of here watching this up like Honestly, if you just told me this was an NYAV poster without, like, actually looking at the credits, I would have believed you. I'm gonna be honest, same. The only reason I can kinda tell it's not an NYAV post-up is I think it's very clear Bill Millsap is way less experienced working with child actors than Stephanie Shea or Mike Sensor Nicholas are. Because I think the the actor playing baby Suzume is not bad, but maybe a little clunky. But uh, so, uh, 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 I didn't have I didn't have too many problems with that. I as I uh, I think the performance that actually bugged me was uh, I was uh, Rosalie Chang actually. I could see it. Yeah. I. I I, I thought she did a good job, but I could see it. It was one of those... I was very surprised to see the girl who played Mei Ling in this... But, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I guess it was just one of those, like, well, you could kind of tell who's, like, more familiar with doing, like, anime dubbing stuff. And most of them were, like... It's mostly just Rosalie and Nicole who... I guess maybe Jennifer. Well, Je- they, Jennifer at least has like animation voice acting stuff. And yeah, so it's not that stark sudden, but hey, some interesting inspired choices. A lot of reliable people. Was not expecting like half of this movie. This is basically just in a road trip adventure. Just two different kinds of road trips. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Again, there are a lot of themes we'll be exploring once we get into uh, this movie in deeper detail. Some of which are a little more on the nose than others. But uh, one such, I guess you could say, literal theme of this movie is doors. Doors to other worlds, eh, kind of, but also doors that cause, among many things, earthquakes. Uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a Shinkai thing if there wasn't something about environmentalism in here. Supernatural phenomena is a Shinkai staple. I feel like supernatural phenomenon is the thing he's not quite sick of. I think he, 
it's very much a core thing in this movie, and it is very part and integral to this movie. Yeah, I think supernatural stuff, and then again, just like, you know, environmentalism stuff is also kind of a big thing for him, it seems like. Mm-hmm. It's very, and it's also very, it, it, we'll go more into it later, but it's very clear disaster and like the world turning upside down is an integral part of his work, especially when it comes to. We'll, we'll get we'll get we'll get there but yeah disaster on both a grand and personal uh scope also i so starts out with a girl named suzume mm-hmm. remembering a thing that happened in her past but it's kind of like a, a distant memory that re- reoccurs to her in a dream where she was looking for her mom and then a girl in white holds up a chair to her and then she wakes up Mm-hmm. Gets up, does the thing where she goes to school, uh, says goodbye to her aunt, who's like, don't wait up for me, you work too hard, I'll see you later. And then meets a very hot guy. Fateful Encounter is another Shinkai staple. Fateful Encounter, and this... You know what, I, I, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it, I can see why... I, I saw this with a friend of mine who literally was like, I want to see this movie for the chair daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say hello to Sota. Uh, big guy looking for, well, doors. He looks like how he looks like Howell in the modern day. And you know what? I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I can see that, too. Yeah, yeah, I believe uh, specifically he is what was called a closer who has a job where he has to go around closing like uh, supernatural doors so they don't, you know, cause earthquakes and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and as uh, Suzume is going on about her way, uh, she, she tells him about an old onsen resort nearby, presumably to, you know, give him a lead of where to find a door. And then she follows him, and then she finds a door in the middle of nowhere, standing on its frame, with a starlit field through the doorway. But uh, when you walk through, it leads to nowhere. You go on the other side. Then something weird happens. There is a cat statue. She picks it up, and then it becomes a real cat and just runs away, as cats like to do. They do tend to run away quite often, yes. Except this one who's sleeping right next to me. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Yeah, so that happened. She moves back on with her day as she goes to school. But then she notices something out in the mountainside. Something that looks like a fire. But nobody else can see it. Only she can. So... She goes back, and she finds this uh, guy, Sota, trying to very intensely close this door. He then helps. They close the door. This red uh, presence disappears. But it crashes before it's just on the way down to Earth. And an earthquake happens. It's at least a smaller one. It's very much like a uh, noticeable damage, but... Not a big disaster. Yeah. So, she takes this guy home uh, to basically bandage up his wounds. 
And then we get the exposition dump. He says that he travels across Japan trying to find these doors to prevent what he calls worms coming out to cause earthquakes from happening. The Alaskan bullworm is a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, that's one way to put it. And then this cat suddenly shows up here, and this cat is very, very frail, like a toothpick. And then he gets to eat some fishies, and then he becomes a big boy. And then he turns Sota into a chair. Yep, that's how we get the chair here. You must be so hungry. Poor thing, earthquakes are scary, huh? Cute! Hey, you want to stay? Stay. <gasps> Suzume, I like you. Lots. <gasps> You're in the way. Goodbye. <gasps> hey, Sota, where? What the hell is going on? Sota! Is that you? Apparently. I, I don't think it can be stated. With some context after the fact, how fucking funny it is that they made an incredibly hot guy the male lead and literally turned him into a fucking chair. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it's kind of crazy. It's But it's very funny, and it's also just very funny how shockingly well he adapts to running on three legs like a little baby horse. Yeah. Apparently this uh, chair is a bit self-referential to Shinkai, as this is what he felt during uh, the bad times of the, the last couple of years. Like a sort of comforting like childhood chair? No, sort of more, so, more, more so like feeling trapped with nowhere to go because you're sort of stuck in, uh, uh, in a bit of uh, stasis. Literally trapped. Okay. Yeah. You know, I could... Yeah! Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Liter literally frozen in place as his... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see that a lot now, actually. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're a chair, you can't do anything. But you can still run, because you have sentience, somehow. And then the first leg of this movie... Is... It's a, is, it's a sensory body count movie. Kind oh of, my god. Yeah. It is a body cop movie now that I think about it. Shit. Yeah, because uh, one of the other themes early on in the movie is a very simple one Cats are jerks. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. There, the fact that this cross country chase is because of the fact that, like, the cat is a fucking Instagram whore. 
is so so funny genuinely hilarious absolutely inspired it's like oh he's so cute he's so traveling and then they just follow the hashtag to follow uh, the cat yeah, yeah. Uh, no no kind of like if you crossed a cube type character with that one episode of the newer loop on <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Apparently, this cat is not just a cat, but is also a Keystone. So it's a Keystone Buddy Cop movie? Oh my god. Okay, <sighs> oh, no, no, no. Where are you going? <laughs> not good, not good. Suzume? Tamaki! Sorry, gotta run! Hey, wait a sec. I came home early because I was worried about you. Huh? The earthquake. You didn't pick up your phone earlier. Oh, right. Missed your call. I'm fine, though. <gasps> Hold on. Stop, Suzume. Get back here. A cat. So weird. Excuse me. What is even happening right now? So uh, anyway, um, because said keystone was gone, that's kind of how this uh, earthquake happened, because there's nothing in place to keep the door sealed. So yeah, they uh, go on their merry way to try and track down this omnipotent talking cat. And uh, as, as you would expect in, you know, road trip buddy movies, you get to find some side characters to help you along the way, like uh, this girl Chica. Yeah, I thought that was a very cute little section. Oh yeah, yeah. They get they get some help and they find an abandoned school, which is completely you know decrepit and you know breaking down. And they're able to uh, get that door sealed to make sure you know nothing happens, which is good because earthquakes are bad. That they are. Yeah. God, that old school's become a case. Alright then, I 
need you to lock the door. Close your eyes. Think of the people this place belonged to, and the keyhole will appear. You're telling me now? You were right. I can't do it. Eyes closed. Feel all the emotion that should be here. Listen to the past. Hear their voices. Divine gods who dwell beneath this land. You have protected us, sheltered us for generations. Your mountains and rivers we have long called our own. They are not ours by right. We claim them no longer! Now! I return them to you! And while they're on uh, on their way to keep the trail going, they meet another another uh, fantastic side character, uh, Rumi, a local bar owner. I think she just runs kind of like a club or something. Yes, with uh, just a bunch of regular. Uh, I think it's yeah. in Kobe. Yes. That, yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. To which I was very amused by the bit where like Juzume had to babysit her kids and they were like messing with the chair. Oh yeah, that's right. They had they got a ride in her car with uh, the t- two kids and they stopped at McDonald's because you gotta get that money back for the production somehow. This movie can actually afford McDonald's. Yes, that's how you know it's <laughs> it's the big money. Yes, it can. But yeah, it, it's like I, I like the stuff with. Uh, with the bathhouse girl, and I thought actually her getting to be friends with like a, a girl pal of hers. But I, I think also during all of this, we're kind of establishing the fact that when Sota goes to sleep, he wakes up a little longer. It takes him a little longer each time to get up again. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. We'll come back to it a little bit later. And just because I have this weird thought in my head, uh, imagine planes, trains, and automobiles, but with a teenage girl in a chair. I mean, you, you got a boat, you got trains, you got cars. It, it's kind of similar in a way. And also she's being tailed by her aunt because she can track her her uh, bank account. That's totally not super invasive. No, no, no. Okay, look, yes, it is incredibly super invasive and incredibly, like, helicopter parent, but also the girl's literally not talking to her, and she is just running halfway across the country. Yeah, and I mean, mean, she does do the normal thing of GPS first, but then when that doesn't work, she does bank account. Yeah. Also, Roger Craig Smith is really into her, but she's too focused on being a working lady that she doesn't see that he's into her. Yeah, it was a kind of a, a funny uh, scene during this whole thing where uh, Susan May has to babysit the two kids, and then so so the chair starts moving around. She has to tell the kids, "Look at this! It's a robotic chair with AI. It can talk. It can answer questions. It's like uh, or I thought it was very uh." Very cute scene of them playing with the kids and him being a little chair. Yeah. Like, more than anything, it's very strange, but it is very 
every every scene with him like moving around as the chair is very charming. It's just a very strange, very charming little deal. And yeah, just human girl inanimate chair thing it is is fun. It's yeah. very fun to watch. Yeah, and uh during this time, uh she takes up basically the odd jobs of working in a bar doing all the grunt work because well you gotta pay for that uh, road trip somehow oh yeah but then they find another uh, lead another worm at a uh, abandoned amusement park and so off they go and here's another theme that I like to uh, bring up all these abandoned landmarks uh, Makoto Shinkai said I'm Pulling up an interview quote here, quote, In Japan, it is customary to hold a jichinsai, or a groundbreaking ceremony, before construction begins on a new building or home, but we do nothing when we close them down. Apparently, mm. he thought about writing a story about, quote, mourning deserted places, like the school and the amusement park and the onsen. So it, there's a good possibility that all of those places were real abandoned locales. Very possible, and this will come back into play in a much grander setting uh, later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that that is at least interesting to know. That is basically you do all these big things about the new, but what? Well, so yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, that actually kind of is a nice little visual element. I did sort of like about the movie in general at like each of these. And so at locations, like, you get a bit where, like, Tsutsume sees, like, the past memories of people who were, like, there before uh, disaster struck, and I thought that was interesting. And the prayer is more or less, like, giving their thanks and regards to those that came before, those who were here, and those who are no longer there. It's a very solemn, but very interesting approach to it, and I actually did like that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So they run up to the amusement park. We get the the confrontation, God, between Sokta the chair and Daijin the cat, wanting to, you know, turn him back into a keystone, but the cat refuses because this cat Daijin wants to play with Suzume. And he also doesn't probably doesn't want to uh lose his freedom, you know. Also, he really is good at running at a chair at this point. He basically sprints from, like, a roller coaster to the other side of a roller coaster. It's amazing. And during all this, yes, the uh, amusement park does power back on, which is scary when you're on one of those Ferris wheel doors and all of a sudden it starts moving and you have to, you know, fight or flight your way up into it. Oh, yeah, that's fucking freaky. I freak my shit, too. Yeah. And when Suzume is up in there, she starts to feel a bit more entranced by what's on the other side of this door. We then get the explanation it is the ever after, basically the afterlife, where departed souls, specifically of these landmarks, their memories remain. And she's just sort of entranced by going into it, but uh, uh, yeah, they are able to, you know, get the door shut, and they go back, and this leads to another revelation as the, uh, End the night. Sosa is starting to lose himself more and more. Mm-hmm. It's very much just the kind of level of like the longer he is cursed, the more and more 
he loses his sentience and identity into the actual item itself. That is terrifying to think of. It's a genuinely terrifying thing, and, like, the visuals of having the trouble of coming back is is genuinely mm. freaky. Even though they do play with the idea of, you know, doing the Sleeping Beauty, give, give him a kiss to stir him back up, and it is a chair. Yeah, that is kind of weird. It's a little weird, but, I mean... Girl did literally sit on his face just, like, a few minutes before. So, like, at this point, anything's fair game. Yeah, okay. So the next day comes, and they get their next lead. They gotta go all the way to Tokyo. As you do, because the road trip is never done, and you've seen all these places. I'll, I'll give this movie credit. I legitimately remember, like, the Kobe place being very nice and cozy, and I thought... Okay, one of these is going to be the failed one. Like, like you, you almost get that feeling like, okay, we have shown the successful operations. Is one of these going to be the botched operation? We kind of get that in Tokyo. Yeah, what, let's build up to it. So we get the train ride to Tokyo. And yes, apparently the bullet train is really fast. Uh, but we have to make a pit stop first. We gotta go to Sota's apartment. Get his old manuscripts and all that jazz. Yeah, there are some details to be found here. Specifically, uh, if I can talk, we have uh, mythology in play. The Namasu, or Onamasu, which in Japanese mythology is a giant underground catfish who causes earthquakes. And this particular context it is uh the big worm oh my god i didn't even get that that was oh my god is the worm the catfish's like antenna uh presumably yes oh my god i actually didn't catch that but fuck that makes a lot of sense yeah, now that and I think about it. how did you quell it is with the two keystones specifically placed placed in the eastern and western parts of japan the western keystone is Daijin. The eastern keystone, uh, yet to be determined. But should the worm appear in Tokyo, it could be on par of the Great Kanto Earthquake of 1923. Basically, a giant cataclysm atrocity, the likes of which... Not even the worst one we'll get to! Mm-hmm. And so the chase is on, literally running through the street, the very busy oh, actually, streets of Tokyo. We f we actually forget uh, to introduce his uh, his college buddy because he's training right. to be right, 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 he's, Tomoya. He's training to be a, a teacher, actually. Yeah, who and uh, his, he apparently, citing his words, he is out some money. Yep. And he's like, bitch better have my money. He missed the thing. I couldn't focus because I'm so pissed at him. I want that, my money back. Yeah, just remember that for later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is uh, the whole, you know, explanation of what's going on. But, you know, they got business to do. So off they go. And this is when things get super serious. This is the super serious turn that Makoto Shinkai is known for. This is the stakes are high moment. Yes. So, 
We get Daijin reappearing, and we get um, a door opening inside of all places. A train tunnel! Good luck. Yeah. And this is when we get the big reveal. During this uh, brouhaha, we get the reveal that Daijin passed on his function as a keystone to Sota's chair. Which basically means that Sota is the keystone, and Suzume only has one choice. Sacrifice him, or sacrifice the entirety of Tokyo. And what's fascinating to me, this is only visible through these two characters and us, the audience, whereas everyone else on screen, none the wiser. They have no idea, which makes sense. You can't predict an earthquake. It just happens. They they see a girl fly in the air and lose her shoe, and that's it. Yeah. But the deed is done, because this is when the stakes are raised significantly. So, so I'm gonna be real. My brain was actually thinking we she was going to sacrifice Tokyo because I remembered the ending of Weathering With You. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like you I, I'm like, there's no way. You 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 can't you can't just can you can you get away with showing like a mass atro- atrocity like Tokyo getting hit with an insane earthquake? So insane that it'll basically break the Earth in half, apparently. And the answer is no. No, of She had to make not. the hard choice and let him go. Yeah. And as we do in these movies when we get the super serious turn moment, things slow way down. We find ourselves in a water cave. Uh, Suzume is just walking through. She finds uh, the Keystone Sota, but no way to reach him. She can't. She can't do anything. And then Daihin shows up, telling her that, "Hey, we can play now. We can play. Aren't you happy?" And Suzume just says, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And then the cat is sad because he realized, "Oh, oh no, she angry now." Yeah. We humans don't like it when cats uh, break things. This is true, especially because it seems like a very much a conscious choice when they do that. I've seen this cat tiptoe over things that he should knock over very easily and doesn't. So when he does knock over something, it's very clear it is a conscious choice he has to make. Mm-hmm. So everything that happened with Sota was very much a conscious choice this cat had to make. Especially when it's like you have to use the, him as the keystone or everybody's going to die. Which it is very funny hearing the, the cute little child saying everybody's going to die. <laughs> so props to Lena. I actually really think Lena gives a very good performance yeah. of the cat. Yeah, so Susan gets her way back in, up to uh, the surface and remembering they had a a discussion, she and Sota did, about his grandfather, who's in the hospital. She finds her way to the hospital very sneakily so that nobody's suspicious about this random girl with... I think by this point she lost her shoes. 
just walking yeah. through the hospital, and she finds the room because this is a movie, and that's how it works. And the, the grandpa, who's also a closer that trains Sota on everything he kn- he knows, and he's like, "What happened? Is my son? Is my grandson gone?" So, all right, he knew the risk. Mm-hmm. Now that he's gone, go back to your life. Forget you ever knew him. Yeah, but there's not. That's not all he says. Through some more back and forth. We get the explanation that uh, because Suzume can see all of this, it means that she's been there once before. And that leads us on one more MacGuffin chase. She has to go back where it all began. She goes back to the first door she did, which is from Tokyo, a good seven, eight, what is it, eight hour drive? Uh, about seven and a half hours, maybe eight hours. And during this uh, revelation, uh, she decides to borrow Sota's boots, which do not fit her at all. Oh, yeah. And uh, by this point in the story, uh, her aunt finally catches up with her. Her aunt catches up with her when she decides, when her when Sota's friend decides, all right, fuck it. I don't know where we're going. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to find my friend. I'm going to get my money. And then so, and then her aunt finds her, and he's like, "Oh my god, is this the sketchy guy you ran off with? He fucking looks like trouble. Look at him. He's got sunglasses. He's got like a skull ring on. Yes, like, uh, what? F- he's older than you. What the fuck going on? Uh, dramatic irony. It's the best, isn't it? And then it's like, I'm going with this man to for to drive a long distance, and then she's like, I'm coming with you, and so does the cat. Yeah, because uh, cats also have a sense of when they've done wrong, they just want to do whatever they can to make up. Yeah, it's very clear that it's very much the cat yeah. knows he fucks up and he wants to make it better. Yeah, so, so, so Tomoya, uh, he's got his uh, used convertible and his phone with Spotify plugged in uh, with a roof that can't close all the way. That'll come back into play uh, later, because that's what happens when you buy a used car. Not everything works. So, there's not a lot of Radwib songs in this movie. There's, like, one or two notable ones. But most of the actual soundtrack is diegetic, real-world Japanese songs. Yeah, I like this soundtrack more than Weathering With You. It just has more f- flavor to it. It's it's very road trip city pop flavor. It's it's very cute that it's just real songs that that the the bad boy teacher guy is just singing a bunch of old classics from like the seventies or the eighties. <laughs> it, it it's very cute. It's very cute. Yeah, it is uh, very cool. But yeah, uh, during said trip, which goes on for hours, believe me, I've done eight-hour road trips in California. It's not easy. Okay, I, I have a question for you, by the way, as we're talking about the second road trip part of this movie, which is uh, which is his friend, uh, her aunt, and the cat. Did you... Did you also think the movie was gonna hook up her aunt with... Sarizawa. Yes. 
It actually did kind of feel like that's what it was going for. It really doesn't come to my mind, to be honest. Oh, okay, okay. So, Alex, you didn't see it. Jet, you did. Okay, cool. Like, there was something there. I was like, are we... Is she... Are we doing that? Okay. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, look... Susume is in high school and Sota's like a co- is about to graduate college like not out of the realm of possibility I was just like that's a strange choice if that's what we're going with yeah yeah I, I didn't see that but I'm sure someone else did uh, during this trip it starts to rain which is a bad thing to happen when the roof of your convertible can't close all the way which, by the way, that was a very good gag. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you could, do you, don't you have a sunroof? I mean, we could try. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's what I expected to happen. Ugh, yeah. And so we go to a rest stop, and this next scene, I, I, I was not expecting this to happen, but there, there is a purpose to it. Uh, we get a big back and forth between Susan Bay and her aunt. A lot of tension, a lot of unsaid feelings that were always lingering. Yeah, it's very tense, and then it turns, like, evil. Yeah, so, yeah, those intense feelings were being perpetrated by another god? Yes, big, Who was a bigger, blacker cat... Yeah, uh, who uh, took po- took possession over Tamaki, which made her say very uh, terrible things that I will not repeat. And then we get a literal cat-on-cat fight between the two uh, messianic felines. I, I, I do love the strangely cute visual that is the giant cat carrying Daijin by the nape of the neck. It's just a very funny visual, yeah. but it's very strange, where it's like, oh, these are just gods, and they're just chilling in the back of my car. <laughs> and, like, Sarazawa is just like, he's all, like, he was also trying to comfort, like, her aunt during all this. Like, literally, like, people were lo- walk- watching, and it's like, that's where I was like, wait, are we actually... Is this happening? It really seemed like there was a first draft or like somebody was like, do we? <laughs> Which they didn't, but it's like, I don't know, man. There was something there. I was like, are we doing this? Eh, I the beholder, I guess. I, I guess. Str- I don't know if it's just a straight eye. Like a- as, 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 I mean, I don't know. We did kind of see like that. Were, that's what they were going for. Just what we said they did kind of. Especially you know, they didn't kind of make a deal out of the odd being like, oh, you know, like I haven't like had forty, any time. and I never dated somebody or whatnot. Yeah, so I, so I kind of figured that. So we did kind of do again. That's what they were going for, but I guess not. Yeah, so that happens, but it's all good afterwards, and the road trip continues, and then the car veers off the road, falls into a ditch, a door falls off, but the sunroof is fixed. Always happens right. Oh god, yeah, the fucking sunroof finally being fixed, and then the door falls off. That was pretty funny. That was a fun gag. That was a good bit. Yeah. So they're about, oh, I'd say 20 kilometers away from the destination, so 
why not just go for it on foot and or on bike? And they do. And they do. And this leads us to our final destination. Chohoku. If that name sounds familiar, that's because that is the site of the 2011 Chohoku earthquake and tsunami. Yeah. As soon as you saw the date, and it's like, oh. March 11th, 2011. <sighs> Almost 20,000 deaths, over 6,200 injured, over 2,500 people missing. 13,000 aftershocks as of March 6, 2018, a 9.1 magnitude earthquake, the fourth strongest on record in human history, in modern human history. Fuck. It was disastrous. And that was where Suzume lost her mother. Yes, in the tsunami. This is where the the big theme of disaster really sinks in. Like we're pulling from legitimate real world disaster from recent memory. Like you have to tiptoe your way around that, even if you're Makuzo Shinkai. And to his credit, they do. There's not a lot of details shown, but there is a lot of aftermath heard. I think there is just enough that is conveyed to it. It's specifically the fact that there is the tension of her being lost, like just her childhood book just filled, like basically just blotted out the struggle of her trying to find her mom and just the genuinely chilling image of the montage of all the people who left home that day. Yeah. As a, yeah, but I gotta be honest, I actually did I actually didn't realize that's what it was going for until you guys said it, but like as you have, it's like, oh wow, that it's clo- it's closing doors and people leaving home and never coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big overarching theme of this movie that we've just explained. But it's what it is a theme that I feel from the get-go of this movie was always there, always a part, and always meant to be. It was about like the 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 things that came before that were ne- that are never acknowledged, like the do- the opening and closing of doors of the past and the future, and just kind of a road trip movie about characters coming together and bonding. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, to, uh, yeah. To which I really did uh, think the final scene was really powerful, especially again compared to how Arthur uh, Wiffy ended. Yeah. So I, I, a friend of mine on another Discord just got out of uh, just got out of see, seeing Suzume, and I'm going to at least copy one thing he said because he mentioned a couple of points. A huge part of the movie felt like he just wanted to redo Weathering with You's ending again. And do it better this time. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, yeah, yeah, actually. Which, yeah. And then you, of course, you have the big confrontation at the end, where she goes through the door with the gods, faces the worm, and then 
tries to get Soto back. Mm -hmm. The big conflict happens. And yes, they do win in the end. The cats go back to do their thing. The worm is sealed. Sota is back as a human. It, which Rip Dijed kind of got handed a raw deal there, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, yeah, they can't leave, but Susan Main Sota can. But then something else happens. There's a child in here, specifically Suzume from 12 years prior. Welcome to the time paradox. Mm-hmm. And this brings in another theme that I don't think anyone else really mentions, just in the overall conversation of the movie. Grief and acceptance. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is definitely a really big thing with this movie. Yes, all throughout the movie... Susan May has these these memories and flashbacks and dreams about her mother, and it always felt like she never really accepted what happened. Like, never made peace with it. Yeah, yeah but, but, but here, there's a second chance. Just to kind of tell herself, it's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, you are scared, lost, and alone, and it feels like the world is never-ending. It will get better. Mm-hmm. You will be okay. You will find things that fill your life, make you happy. You will be okay. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, that's... Damn. Yeah. Actually, actually pretty effective, all things considered. That's the heart pull move you get from Shinkai. And once that's done, once the peace has been settled, Suzume escapes back to the real world with, as she said, finding the boy she loves. So... We can take uh, that pin out now. Okay, okay, so... We've talked a lot about the themes of this movie and about the things that I think it was clearly intended to be from the start. From the start, this is a movie about basically a road trip with characters hanging out, exploring each other's relationships and bonds. This is a movie about tragedy, about disaster, about grief, and about acceptance. It is not about romance. romance. The reason we mention it is because I think at some point between your name and weathering with you, it became clear, I don't think he wants to do, he doesn't mind romance being a, a thing, but I don't think that's the main movie he wants to make anymore. He doesn't want it to be the boy meets girl. Yeah, and uh, specifically, uh, he had a couple of recent interviews where he uh, talked about this. Uh, where he wanted to do something a little different with this movie, and, you know, have it be more of a road trip, as we mentioned. I'm, I'm not sure I completely buy the idea that, now that I've read a little more into it, I don't think this movie started inherently as a Yuri as a lesbian Yuri story. Yeah, so, yeah probably not. I, I, I remember we mentioned that a few a few episodes ago, but having actually seen the movie and actually seeing the thing, I think it's a little more accurate to say 
this movie didn't have to be about a boy falling in love with a girl and or vice versa. That wasn't his intention. I, I, I'm going to read the actual comments from this Looper article. Mm-hmm. At first, I want to turn the story into a movie about Suzume and another girl journeying. Why I even want to go in that direction in the first place is because I personally felt a little bit tired of telling the very traditional romance story. I feel that in your name, I did everything that I possibly could in terms of the boy meets girl and will they, won't they, will they meet. That element of romance is very relatable to the masses, which is why it was the subject matter that resonated with a large audience. Characterizing his initial pitch for Suzume as a sisterhood type of romantic story, Shinkai says his producer persuaded him to make another your name style boy meets girl romance because of audience expectations okay. we're gonna get we're gonna come back to him in a second okay. we're gonna come back okay. to him in a okay. second okay okay i want to comment and say it's interesting to know that he himself was actually getting a bit tired of doing a romantic boy meets girl story and it felt like he did he says straight up i did everything i could to make that it in uh your name and then he did it again in weathering to less avail even just having the lead of your name again yeah felt very much like a okay i'm just gonna do that again but worse but this is like this movie it felt like okay i have something different i want to try making and i don't want it to be a romance but somebody straight up said all right this movie needs to be a boy meets girl romantic story so it's like there's a lot of romantic things in it at the end and it's like it doesn't feel great because it's clear that wasn't the plan see how too much bad respect for Chicago like well you know if you're going to insist on that I'm just going to make the dude a chair yeah in order to not make it too romantic his his <laughs> retort was to make the male love interest the chair for most of the movie and that's really fucking funny yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to, uh, yeah. To which uh, oh, the note of the romance not working. It, like I kind of said this when I like wrote, did a like brief little write up, uh, but after I walked out of the theater. But like honestly, this is a lot that like because as we mentioned before, there is a point where Tony is like gone after you know he becomes a geezer and stuff. It is kind of worth noting that I honestly felt like the film kind of improved, like not you know like dramatically, but like I felt like the back half of the film was a lot stronger, partially because he wasn't in it. Like, like to be fair, it but wasn't be, even like Soda was necessarily like a bad so, character. So, Soda wasn't a bad character. I like him, and I like his dynamic with Suzume. Yeah, but it's, it's not, also it's, interesting to see a very different relationship dynamic played with other characters. And this movie is about Suzume. Suzume is probably one of his most realized characters, and she is a strong central leading lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he does a good job with her as a character. That it actively feels like making it about, oh, she's doing this for love. Is it, yeah, is it, yeah, yeah. It's a detraction. Yeah, it, it also didn't help that, like, the whole she's doing it for love thing, honestly, felt, like, really 
It kind of did come out of nowhere, yeah. It's ham-fisted. And it's like, it could just be, he's my friend. He's somebody I, he was somebody who showed me a world outside of it all. It didn't have to be about romance. But even Makoto Shinkai, one of the fucking hottest directors in the goddamn world who made one of the most successful movies of all time, is being told by some fucking big name producer, you gotta do what you know. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna do what you think I should be but I'm gonna rebel a little. <laughs> and you know what? You can tell. You can tell he's really tired and done with the romance movie because <sighs> it's there and it's something that he didn't really put a lot of time in, into. He put a lot of time into everything else, but the romance is there and it's kind of just shoved in there like a fourth leg that shouldn't be there. And what I will comment on is we did mention... The idea, I don't think this movie started out as a Yuri, but he does actually make some comments about LGBT plus stories. He said that he's not actively seeking out these LGBT stories. However, the general narrative of Suzume would have worked had Suzume had a female love interest. I think it would have also worked had Suzume been a boy or had she been non-binary as well. Shinkai says it's not necessarily the context of male-female. It's about a human overcoming something. In my future films as well, I want to focus on that human story as opposed to too much commentary on gender or sex. Makoto Shinkai is saying, stop making me do romance. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, he's, He's literally saying it in a plea. I'm so done with romance. I'm so done a boy meets girl. Stop making me do romance. And it was very funny, fascinating, and anger-inducing to discover, courtesy of Kaven, a.k.a. Yuyuko from Sakagaboru, that this producer for this film has a name. Their name is Genki Kawamura. Why is that name notable, Jet? What did we fucking find out? Uh, yeah, uh, apparently uh, this producer has messed with other, has messed with other uh, Doho productions. And uh, he's responsible for a certain director who, you know, produced a modest hit for Bowen back in the day. Uh, that for, that, for that director having not done anything in the last few years. Which director is that? Uh, the director of Blood Blockade Battlefront Season 1. Uh, lady by the Rie name of Matsumoto. Rie Matsumoto. And it's very possible said producer may or may not have some play at why she hasn't led a big anime in some time. (sighs) So what we're saying is, more than anything, I feel my beef with certain problems of this movie are clear. I don't think it's Shinkai. If anything, I think it's clear to me now, Shinkai recognizes his own success pattern and he's tired like people are like who were disappointed after weathering with you and recognize a little bit of that pattern still in there in Suzume nobody knows more than Shinkai he knows he gets it he's kind of done with it too and he wants to be done but like the big name money people still want to play it safe play with what you're good at play with what you know despite the fact that 
Your name and weathering with you is less of his career. Those are the big ones. But as he mentioned, he did weird films like five centimeters per second. He did Garden of Words. Like, he, he has stories to tell and things he's really passionate about. And it's very clear. He wants to stop doing the romance, the straight romance movie. The chair is fucking an act of rebellion because he got told he has to make it a boy meets girl romance. And he's like, fine, I'm going to do that. I'm literally going to make the male an object. It really puts a lot of it into perspective. So I'll say, if anything, big ups to Shinkai. Also, big ups to him just straight up acknowledging, like, non-binary people exist. Like, reading that interview, is like, oh, he's just acknowledging non-binary people. It's like, yeah, no, okay, cool. Because there's a lot of fucking chuds out there that just think, like, oh, there are two genders. It's like, no, he's just acknowledging queer and, like, non-binary, non-conforming people. Cool. Cool. More than anything, I walked away with this context and having seen with this movie, still having respect for Makoto Shinkai as a director and creator, which I'm really happy to say because I was, of course, let down a little bit by weathering with you. I think it's clear he really does have more stories to tell, and he wants that freedom to tell different stories but being the man who made your name people ex big money expects your name again and i'm gonna be real with you guys there is no your name to surpass your name pretty much shinkai knows it let him make a new movie Suzume is really close. It's really close to being making a new movie. Let him fully let him close the door on your name. Yeah, pretty much all that. Well Pretty much all that. Well, uh, as we were a little too focused on talking about all those uh, details, I kind of forgot to mention a couple things. Uh, number one, that thing about uh, Sota owing like a whole lot of money. Uh, yeah, it was the other way around. It was Sota's friend who owed uh, Sota quite a bit of money. Kind of speaks wonders about his character. But... Uh, yeah, I, I think they got that all uh, settled uh, by uh, the end of the movie. And speaking of the end of the movie, as we have spoiled it all for you, but you should all go watch it anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, the movie ends with the two, uh, the two of them, Susan May and Sota, going back, meeting all of uh, their friends throughout their road trip together. And then we get the Makoto Shinkai final scene special of the two of them meeting again in the same spots, like we saw in Weathering With You and in Your Name. Go back and listen to our point about, you know, these movies having to be the same formula, just 
Executive decisions. They're a bitch, aren't they? I still highly recommend Suzume. I do too. I, I, I walked away from this saying, happy recommendation. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, but is it, uh, yeah, definitely not perfect, but it's a pretty solid movie. You should go see it. It's not perfect. It's still a very good movie. Still an easy recommendation. I think they did a very nice job. I think the dub is also very strong. It's got some quirks here and there, as I said before. I think I think Bill Millsap is noticeably less experienced working with child actors compared to uh, the NYAV Post people, but I think they do a good job. I think a lot of strong performances in there. Josh Keaton is fucking fantastic and deserves to be in more anime dubs. Yeah, I was also pretty impressed with Nicole Sakura. I thought she did a really good job. Yeah, I was I was surprised too. Like I figured that could have been a little rough if they didn't know what they were doing, but no, she does a very nice job. I was very impressed with her work as Suzume. I think she was a very, very strong, pleasant surprise. Uh Josija as Samoya Serizawa was a ton of fun. Um and yeah, a lot of the ensemble cast, like however brief, were just very good and die like the kid playing Daijin was a ton of fun. I I think that was a very fun, interesting performance, and I think Lena does a great job. Mm-hmm. It's a good good movie, strong strong dub. Yeah, uh, sadly, I think the dub is going to be leaving theaters after this week, so um, it'll be put out on home video in due time. Yeah. They will release Suzume in, like, the end of December, surrounded by, like, three other releases, and that's it. Uh, and that, then that one's me being petty. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this was a, a fine film, uh, even if there was some clear executive meddling uh, getting in the way. It's it's like even as even when I didn't read this interview, it was clear as day to me. Shinkai is tired of the romance movie. Yeah, and look, I love your name. I think it's a fantastic movie. I don't need to see it again. Yeah, I don't need to see it made again. We have it. What? Let him do something else. To to all these bigwig producers, let him cook. Let him cook. If you're going to walk away from anything, let him cook. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Uh, fantastic uh, showing. Uh, one last note. I was the only one in my theater watching this movie when I went to go see it. I still got sick with a cold after I left. That a shockingly solid showing of people for a for a Wednesday night at eight thirty. Uh, I, I saw it on Friday at at like four thirty. So like there were only like yeah. Yeah. three other people in the theater. Yeah, had some friends from Texas come out of town, and then we watched it. Uh, Gigi, I think, fell asleep at some point. She was very disappointed to find out the chair daddy was turned into a chair that quickly, which. <laughs> Is fucking hilarious. I love you, Gigi. Glad you had a good time. Uh, yeah. Um, did pretty well in the box office. Made about five million dollars opening week, and so far it's made eight and a half million. So it, it's doing. It's doing all right. It's doing all right. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's still doing good. And, and look, it's still good. Less rad wimps, but you know what? The music in that's still pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that will do it. That, that, that's, that's all we've got. <laughs> that's all we've got for this milestone 150th episode. Jesus Christ. Where does the time go? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. All right. That'll do it. So any final words before we head out of here for a while? Um... Uh, I don't know. Uh, here it's hoping Tucker Carlson is gone for at least, I don't know, maybe a couple of months before he gets a new gig. God, fucking Tucker Carlson's <sighs> don't, don't gone. Worry. No other network can afford what he's asking for. Fucking Christ. What a weird couple of days it's been. Yeah, Monday was the day where everything happened. What a week. It's not even... T- it's not even Wednesday yet. Shit. Yeah. All right. I'm tired. Wednesday I gotta go to hanging. bed. I'll do it for this uh, show. So thank you all for listening to Podcast ONA. We hope you'll come back next time for what I have no idea what's coming up. So uh, until then, uh, yeah, that, that, that'll do it. But happy 150, everyone. Bye. Good night, everybody. And Otaku on. Whatever the hell that means. <laughs> Cool.